um, it was quite common to have election day sermons. As a matter of fact, on election day, uh, they would normally, um, the people in town would meet and they, there was going to be a church service. Everybody went to church and they heard the preacher preach about um, the qualifications for who you want uh, for, uh, to represent you. And they took different passages of scripture and they would uh, uh, preach on those. Uh, there's still a lot of those around. I've got a two volumes set at home that's so about that thick, two volumes of just uh, political sermons uh, of our early uh, founding. So what I want to do, we've got Election Day coming up next Tuesday, okay? I hope you are registered to vote, those of you that qualify, and uh, that you will participate. Um, it's very, very important uh, that you do so. Uh, but... Uh, the, the thing that sparked my thinking about this was uh, something that happened to me about 20 years ago. I was a member here at Grace Bible Church, uh, Grace, I'm sorry, Westwood Heights. I've been in too many churches. Uh, Westwood Heights, and uh, I had uh, received an assignment that would take us away from here up to North Dakota, and I had to go down and requalify in the airplane I was flying. And so I was down at Barksdale Air Force Base and doing my training. The family was here. The kids were going to school. And uh, I was doing my daily devotions. And something that's always been on my mind, you know, when we, we see things that are, are going south in our society, um, you know, what's the answer? Is there a way to turn this around? And you look at history that have had some very dark days, and it was turned around, and... Well, how did they go about doing that? You know, what do you do? And uh, you, you think back 20 years and the problems I was concerned about uh, then and all of us that remember those days, uh, oh, for those days, huh? <laughs> At least we knew what men and women were. You know, I never, never would have guessed that we would have had that problem. And uh, trans, you know, the whole issue with that and whatnot. So how do we get back? How do we recover? Is there a solution? Is there a biblical solution? And I was thinking about that. I thought about it for a number of years and whatnot. And I was doing my devotions one night. I remember distinctly where I was. I was on my knees beside the bed reading my daily uh, reading. And the Lord had me read this verse. It was just in my daily reading. So it was part of a chapter. And I said, that's the answer. That's how you get back. That's how you recover everything. And it was so exciting, uh, I wrote down the date right beside that the, the Lord showed me that. It's in another one of my Bibles that's still packed in a box somewhere. And, uh, but it is this passage. So uh, tonight we're going to take a look at this passage. And then uh, since that time, I have noticed that this phrase that we're going to look at comes up many times in Scripture. So I did a study of, of this uh, phrase and uh, I learned a lot, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you as it was to me. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, and we're only going to read one verse. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And I said, that's the answer. Mercy and truth is the answer to how we get back. We have to exercise both of those. Let me see if I get my notes out here so at least I know where I'm going here. 
So uh, obviously, this has a, uh, an application to salvation, and we'll take a look at that. The Lord certainly is merciful to us, and he is certainly truthful. So when it comes to purging our iniquity and allowing us to be uh, clean and pure before him and have a robe of unspotted white upon us, how is that done? It is by the Lord's mercy and of his truth as well. But I think it applies across the board in a number of different ways. Obviously, this meant, uh, the, the, uh, it speaks of God's process in saving us, uh, but it also applies to interpersonal disputes with our fellow brethren. How do you go and purge and get problems resolved that reside in the church? And of course, we've got Satan working against us his chief instrument within a church body is division, trying to get things going between people. How do you resolve that? By mercy and truth, okay? That, that phrase is the one that we want to look at, is mercy and truth, okay? And then, of course, uh, the thing that struck in my mind 20 years ago, and uh, I still think is applicable today, we're coming up on election uh, day, and we need to choose uh, leaders. Uh, what kind of leaders do we want? What kind of society do we want? How do we get back? We get back by exercising mercy and truth, okay? If we were going to take all of the uh, problems with immorality that we have in our country and simply go to the Old Testament and say, well, let's just execute everybody, that's not a solution, folks, okay? So what does the Lord say? Mercy and truth. Those go hand in hand together. Notice the order. The order is incredibly important, okay? Uh, mercy must come first because if the Lord exercised truth before he exercised mercy with us, where would we all be? We would, be, we would get what we deserve. Well, the truth of the matter is, do we have anybody here that's perfect? No, okay? What is his standard? Perfection. Okay, that takes care of Westwood Heights. We don't need to worry about them anymore. Okay, if truth was the number one thing, but it's not. Mercy is first, and it's interesting in the number of times this phrase comes up in Scripture, and we're going to look at every case of it, that almost in every case, mercy is the first one that is, it is listed, okay? So uh, it's very important, the order in which we see these two, uh, these two uh, terms here. Okay, well now let's take a look at the many facets of this truth. And what we're going to do is look at other passages of Scripture uh, where this uh, phrase, mercy and truth, is, is, is used. And we'll see what attributes this phrase brings out and how it can apply to us today. So we're going to be spending most of our time in the books of Psalms and Proverbs. So turn first to uh, Psalm 86. Psalm 86 and verse 15. 86.15 said, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. So notice that these attributes are intrinsically in God's makeup. Okay, He is a God of mercy and truth, and thank the Lord that he is. Okay? Contrast that with some of the other gods that people worship around the world. 
Okay, I, I, I think of the, the phrase that all the, uh, the Muslims um, uh, say over and over again, the confession that Allah, the merciful, and yet he is anything but merciful. Okay? He's a, a God of retribution, and, uh, and which is why they will go on holy wars, and, and if you're not a Muslim uh, and they have the power and ability, they will go and execute anybody that's not. Okay? That is not what our God is. Our God is a God of mercy and truth right from his very being. Okay? Notice this well. Let's turn to Psalm 115 and verse 1, and we'll see another attribute about this. Psalm 115 and verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Notice that this attribute of God is rooted in his glory. This is one of his shining attributes that's beautiful to look upon. Okay, That God is merciful and that he is true. Another uh, Psalm 138 verse 2 brings out this same idea. Psalm 138, verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. And that word uh, loving kindness is sometimes used interchangeably with this word mercy. So this idea of loving kindness, as a matter of fact, if you have a New American Standard or one of the other more modern translations, a lot of the the references that we're reading mercy in the King James will be translated loving kindness in those. So the idea is the same there, okay? But notice that this is rooted in God's glory, okay? What a wonderful attribute our Lord has and how beautiful he is in his glory that he is full of mercy and truth. This idea, again, mercy is this idea that he is not giving people what they deserve. Graciousness is giving them something they don't deserve, but this idea of mercy is, guess what? You deserve punishment and alienation from, from me for eternity, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send my son to have his blood shed on the cross so that he can pay the penalty for your sins. That is the epitome of mercy. Okay? He's not giving us what we deserve. Okay, let's look at a couple, another attribute of this phrase, mercy and truth. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 108. So back a few. 108, verse 4. Psalm 108, verse 4. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Okay, notice how immense this mercy is and this truth. You know, we're used to the sky and we've got weather reports and we know, you know, we fly on airplanes. But try to put yourself back to not only has nobody ever flown, they don't even know that it's possible. They look at a bird and they say, you know, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be like a bird. In our society, we can get up in the clouds. And they say, yeah, yeah, it's pretty high up here, but yeah, I can see the ground. and It's not a big deal for us, but put yourself back into a society where nobody has ever left the ground except by jumping a couple of feet, okay? 
And, and then look at this verse here, Psalm 115 and verse 1. Uh, correction, I'm sorry, Psalm 108, verse 4. Uh, let's turn back to Psalm 57. We see this same idea written here, Psalm 57 and verse 10. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. So again, David is repeating this. This is a concept, a thought that's been in his mind as he's writing uh, hymns, so to speak, for his people and praising the Lord that this concept of how great God's mercy is and how big it is, uh, is one of these dominating themes in David's mind. Okay? All right. Notice that, uh, that this is a an introduction to God. In other words, just the fact that this is existing is kind of like the announcer or the, the person that, you know, you've seen some of these movies with English kings or people and they'll walk in and they've got this big pole and they'll wrap it on the floor. Bang, bang, bang. The attention. The king is coming, okay? It's it's that idea that this announcement that we're going to have God presented. Let's take a look at this idea here. Uh, let's turn in Genesis chapter 24. So hold your place here in, in Psalms because we're going to be right back. This is the only verse in Genesis. Genesis 24. If, in it, if that chapter sounds familiar to you, it's a very long one. It's the one where Abraham sends his servant to find a bride for Jacob. A correction for Isaac. And notice what Isaac's, a correction, Abraham's servant said when, after he put, didn't put God to the test, but asked, hey, the, the, the young girl that comes out and is willing to go and water my camels, is be, let that be the one that uh, you have chosen. So notice verse 27. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and truth, I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So notice this is a term that's relatively old. I mean, even in Old Testament times, it, it dates all the way back to Abraham. And David is going to go and, uh, and copy that as well. Uh, let's same idea. Let's go to back to Psalms again, eighty nine. Now Psalm eighty nine and verse fourteen. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. So these are the. The vestibule, so to speak. You're going to make your presentation. You're going to present yourself before the Lord. And the thing that greets you as you come, just you haven't seen the Lord yet. And who is greeting you? Mercy and truth. Okay? What a beautiful concept. Beautiful concept. Okay? Uh, notice, uh, let's turn to Psalm 57 and verse 3. We were... There before, 57.3. Fingers are getting stuck together. Sorry about that. 
He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Notice he sends it out. Okay? Uh, he makes salvation possible. Okay? He is the one that orchestrated it. Uh, you remember the picture in, in uh, the, the prophets where he said, hey, there was nobody that could do this, so I took it upon myself and I bared my arm and I provided salvation. And it's this idea of mercy and truth. Psalm 80, correction, 98 and verse 3, we have this same concept. Notice how many times this phrase is being used, mercy and truth. And notice the order, as we've talked about. 98 and verse 3. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Okay? This idea of mercy and truth that the Lord is presenting to everybody. Notice Psalm 85 and verse 10. We have another attribute here. Another characteristic of this. And notice verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. They are inseparable. We need both of these. Okay? If you had just mercy without truth, you wouldn't have any justice. If you had just truth without any mercy, as we've talked about already, we would not be able to stand before the Lord. We would be annihilated. They must go together. And that's the hardest thing. If we're going to apply this with our leaders that we want to choose, they've got to be men and women of high caliber that are willing to be merciful and at the same time stand for truth. And we know how difficult that is. And we know what the news media does as far as trying to go and paint them as being horrible individuals and whatnot and to maintain their, their, uh, their testimony, uh, for lack of a better term, and to not lose their cool and at the same time stand up for truth. This is a very difficult thing to do and to do it in the right way. Some of the politicians are doing it uh, better than others, and, uh, and they're on the news, and uh, you know some of them are not doing it well. Okay, So these are the things that we need to look at when we start voting for somebody. Hey, is this a person that understands the issue of the day, that we can't go, Rome wasn't built in a day. I remember hearing that from my dad growing up. You might have heard it from your parents as well. It's going to take time. We're not going to get back in one day, but hey, we need to exercise mercy toward those people that are caught up in these uh, sins of our society and at the same time lay down the truth and say, folks, we can't do this anymore. Okay? We have got to get back to righteous living. Okay? Uh, okay, let's turn now to 1 Kings chapter 3. We have one verse in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3. And verse 6, we have this term used again. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, thy, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, in the upright of his of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Notice that 
that in this case, one is conditional on the other. Okay, notice that if there's going to, now this isn't talking about salvation, folks, okay? But there is this expectation that if you will practice truth and live that and make it part of your life, then the Lord is going to go and bestow mercy upon you. Another example of this is Psalm 25 and verse 10. So we have to be careful that we don't go and make this a universal thing, but there are examples both ways. We have to be careful. More often than not, they are both held equally. Notice verse 10 of Psalm 25. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So that does not mean that we just sit there like the baby, I call it the baby bird syndrome, just open our mouth and Lord feed me, you know. Okay? He expects us to go and work and to labor and to discipline ourselves and to keep under our body, as Paul said. Okay? Uh, and that will allow us to enjoy this uh, mercy and truth. Let's turn back uh, one verse in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 15. This is David as he is coming back after fleeing before uh, his son Absalom. And he meets this man, Ittai, the Gittite. And let's see, we want verse 20. And so he's addressing him. uh, I'll, I'll just read 19. And the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. So here is, this is a blessing upon faithful people. Okay? So I'd encourage you to try to use that sometime when you're, when you're uh, you know, working with people and whatnot and you want to give them a blessing. May the Lord's mercy and truth be upon you. That's a great blessing that you could go and give them, okay? Okay, notice what the result of this mercy and truth is. It preserves those who receive it. Let's turn to Psalm 40 and verse 11. Psalm 40 and verse 11, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness, remember that interchangeable word with mercy, and thy truth continually preserve me. So these are the things that are going to preserve us, God's mercy and God's truth. Uh, Turn over to 61, Psalm 61 and verse 7. He shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Notice that we are preserved by God's mercy and his truth. And then Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 28. Mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is upholden by mercy. Notice who we're talking about here. The equivalent to us today would be politicians. What will keep us? Mercy and truth preserve these people, okay? 
and his throne is upholden by mercy. Their offices and their reputations and whatnot is upheld by mercy. We need to keep that in mind. Okay. Notice the effect of this mercy and truth is lasting. Very familiar psalm. Some of you have memorized it. I know this is one of the first ones I memorized. Psalm 100. Just five verses, but the last verse is very good. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Notice the longevity of that. Mercy and truth are everlasting. Okay. Uh, Psalm 117. Couple pages over. Psalm 117 is a very short psalm. Uh, it's the second verse. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Notice the longevity here. It endures forever. Okay, now let's turn to uh, some verses in Proverbs. We're almost done here, but uh, still a few more. Proverbs 3, chapter 3. Solomon is teaching his son, my son, forget not my law. Look what he said in verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon, about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. This should be something that's on our mind and our thinking continually, that we are merciful and truthful people. Okay? We don't just keep our mouth shut when, oh, yeah, that's the way the world's going. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. At the same time, a great way to do this, if somebody asks us, well, what's your position on abortion? Well, the first thing that you've got to know is anybody that has had an abortion, the Lord can forgive them. That's the mercy. But the truth is, they did murder a child. But mercy first. Think of it that way. Okay, and, and try to use it um, as, you're, as you're talking with people. Proverbs 14 and verse 22. Do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good? Okay, notice it's a product of obedience. So this is kind of like... The, the more you're merciful and the more you have truth, the more merciful you get and the more truthful you get, which is the more merciful and the more truthful. In other words, this is a way of growing, okay? Uh, it is, it's, it's a beautiful concept in my mind, okay? Notice that this is multi-generational. This can go and last. This can be a real influence in your own families. Let's turn to Micah, a small book right after Daniel. It's actually not right after Daniel, but... Uh, one of the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah chapter 7. And verse 20. Very last verse of the book. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. So there it is, truth and mercy are kind of reversed there, right? Until you look at who they're talking about. Who was born first? Abraham. So Abraham is the one that is mercy, has mercy, and Jacob has the truth. So again, that order is still there, folks, even though it was uh, stated. And then one last uh, verse that we'll look at is Isaiah chapter 16. Uh, 
Isaiah 16. And verse 5. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth, in the tabernacle of David, judgment, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. Obviously, this is showing what the uh, world is going to be like when our Lord Jesus Christ sits on the throne. But notice that this is foundational, this idea for leadership in our society. So, uh, the application for us is, as we go to election, uh, to know something about the candidates. That What is their stand? Okay? Are they all going to be Bible-believing Christians? No. But is their, their words, find as much as you can out about them, do a little bit of study and find out, hey, what have they said in the past? Are they merciful people? Okay? It's very easy for people that are trying to stand against the evils of the day to be very harsh and critical and mean. And the Lord said, we need to be merciful people. Merciful people, and we need to say the truth at the same time. So that's the lesson for our election day sermon, okay, uh, for today. Okay, I believe it's a good way for us to get back from this slide, this suicidal slide that we're on in our society. Uh, and I think it has been done in the past. We have had days where, in the world history when things were far worse than they are today. Uh, that's not to give ourselves an out, but uh, we need to get back, and I think this is the way to, to really allow us to make an impact in the world. So think about that, and uh, that concludes uh, the lesson. Okay, let's take out our prayer sheets now. I do have